3: KFI
2: AM 640. You're listening to the John and Ken show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app on the radio from 1 until 4. And then uh, after 4 o'clock, whatever you missed, and you've missed a lot today. And uh, it's your, your own personal shame. Uh, John and Ken on demand <laughs> the podcast, and you podcasting. Uh, hit- Shaming
7: the listeners, a new strategy. <laughs> wow. Just to get them to listen to yes. the podcast. And starting Monday, spanking and caning, okay? If you oh, my gosh. I'm glad yes. I'm getting out of here. i going to be part of that mess. You might
2: stick around for that.
7: Uh, the Moist Line is uh, tomorrow. Uh, we have openings, so drop a message if you'd like using the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or just use the old Moist Line telephone number. one moist eighty six one eight seven seven six six four seven eight eight six. We got a lot to get to this hour, but we begin with the abomination that came upon us just over nine years ago. The passage of Proposition 47. We begged and pleaded with all of our listeners to vote no, and I'm sure most of them did, but it passed statewide. Yeah. This was the, the work of George Gascon out of San
2: Francisco. And the voters were fooled by Jerry Brown's campaign of lies. By Kamala Harris, uh, her misleading title and summary. She was the attorney general at the time. And that unleashed a lot of public drug addiction
7: and um, homeless shoplifting. people. Shoplifting. Yeah, shoplifting. Reduced the, yeah, reduced the threshold for shoplifting. But yeah, on the drug side, it reduced a lot of uh, drug uh, crimes to uh, misdemeanors. Right. So the drug And addiction- remember, the key here was when they were felonies, you could use that to get them into treatment all right, if you go into treatment, we'll reduce it to a misdemeanor. But now if it's already a misdemeanor, they just look at you and say, yeah. see ya. Yeah, Yeah. you had a choice between going to jail and going
2: to drug treatment. And a lot of people took the drug treatment. And now uh, there, there are no drug crimes uh, on the streets. Uh, the police just drive by. And so that festers into an extreme addiction and homelessness and insane behavior. And uh, you have the city of Los Angeles.
7: So we're going to be talking to Dr. Stephen Bell, a former LAPD sergeant who is now a criminologist and professor of criminal justice at Mount Marty University in South Dakota. The co-author in this research was Dr. Joshua Adams from Arizona State University, and they actually called it, Do Cops Still
3: Care? Let's get uh, Dr. Stephen Bell on. Welcome. Hey. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, Ken. Ken, congratulations on your upcoming promotion to retirement.
7: <laughs> so thank you very much. It's a good way to put it. He will be in a better place. Uh, wow! <laughs> well, so you went from LAPD to to South Dakota.
3: <laughs> I did. Uh, there was an opportunity uh, in, in academia. You, you take the opportunities that are are presented to you, and uh, and one of the opportunities. Uh, to have a tenure position and, and a criminal justice professorship was here in South Dakota. And uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say that uh, having no, no state income tax didn't play a role in that decision as well.
7: Yeah, that's a that's a big part of this. All right, so talk to us about this uh, study, uh, how you conducted it and what you found out.
3: Well, this is a qualitative study where we looked at some of the lived experiences of Southern California police officers before and after the inaction of Prop 47 we really wanted to get that uh, compare and contrast opportunity and uh, so we asked them some questions and did some surveys and some qualitative surveys and some uh, interviews and such with a group of officers who had experienced what life was like for them before Proposition 47 and then after Proposition 47 and how those Uh, These laws and the defelonization, specifically when it comes to the reduction of uh, narcotics, not as much when it comes to the the theft aspect of Proposition 47, but just how did they make their decisions before Proposition 47, and then how did they make their enforcement decisions after? Because there had already been uh, a great deal of research looking at crime rates before and after and arrest rates before and after, and what we realized was arrest rates don't happen in a vacuum. Arrest rates happen because there are police officers who literally make decisions to, one, arrest somebody, and then before that even decide to stop somebody. So we, we ended up interviewing a, a lot of police officers in the Southern California, or specifically the Los Angeles County uh, area, and just got their their feedback and did a, an analysis on all the data that we received and, and saw that there were really just uh, – a. A few specific themes that, that came up, and, and you touched on a lot of that in your introduction here. I, I should have had the, the two of you help me write this study. Uh, <laughs> no, the study. But we are available. The idea of helping the addict was, was a, a really, really big aspect of that. That Police officers don't want to put people in jail necessarily just to put them in jail. When it comes to drug crimes, they wanted to help them, and they thought one of the best ways I can help somebody is let me put them in jail where they can have compelled rehabilitation through Proposition 36.
7: Yeah, so right, and, 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 and as a felony – They might uh, choose a drug treatment if uh, they knock it down to a misdemeanor. But all these things are gone. We learned this when this was up for a vote nine years ago from prosecutors throughout California who said, you take away that kind of leverage, there's going to be a big, big drug addict problem on the streets. And I see in your research, some police officers said things like, why bother? Some did the smile and wave when they saw somebody using drugs. It's just not it's not it's pointless.
3: That's exactly right. They felt as though they had been handcuffed and the tools that they had before Proposition 47 were taken away from them. That was their, their perception. They, they thought, hey, if, if I can arrest them enough times, eventually maybe the rehabilitation will stick with that leverage that you mentioned. The idea of, pro, you know, they were given a choice, the offenders were given a choice, either go to prison or go, go get some help, some rehabilitation. And obviously the, the easier choice there is to, to go to rehabilitation. But now as when it's a misdemeanor, the perception of those officers was that 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 decision was reduced from go to prison or get some help to how about nothing or go get some help because the the effects of misdemeanors were either sight and release, uh, time served, or, or sometimes just an overnight stay in jail, and it just wasn't worth the, the time of the officers. They did a, a cost-benefit analysis of their own time and their own efforts and thought, well, here's, here's what enforcement is costing me. It's costing me. Uh, exposure to complaints, exposure to uses of force, maybe end up on the news god forbid that there's a there's a newsworthy arrest and all this for as the officers put it all this for a misdemeanor
2: yeah, yeah so they change their behavior now they see something on the street and what do they do
3: well i, uh, I you you touched on uh, a lot of them said that they they just don't care about narcotics arrests anymore. They, they said uh, more than one of the participants in the study said if society doesn't care, why should I? My, they were giving things like uh, accolades, commendations, uh, they were up for specialized assignments based on the, the number of felonious arrests that they were making prior to Prop 47. They were called a good cop and somebody who makes a lot of good arrests and, the, and they were given these pats on the back, these attaboys. And then overnight when all these same crimes that they were arresting yesterday became misdemeanors, there were th- all those accolades and and commendations and, uh, and and peers looking up to them all just faded away for, for, through no well, fault of their also own. Also,
2: by arresting someone doing drugs and and possibly getting him into treatment, that potentially eliminates a lot of future crimes that the uh, that would, the guy would commit. Yeah, at <laughs> least th- for a time. Right. Finances drug habit.
3: Talk about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there, the, the perception of the officers was that it is very rare instances. It, as Unlike what TV and movies would, would have you believe, the officers explained that it is very rare to see somebody crawling out of a window with a TV at, at the end of a burglary. It's very, uh, arresting a burglar in progress is very, very rare. But what they can do is realize that there's a connection between drug addiction and property crime. Somebody who doesn't have a job but has an addiction has to fund that that addiction, probably through crime. And so if you can't arrest a burglar in progress, what you can do is find somebody who's got a little bit of uh, cocaine or meth in their pocket and put them in jail and get them some rehab and hopefully they stay there for a bit. And as long as they're staying there, they're not breaking into your car and not breaking into your this, house.
2: This, You know, as you talk about this out loud, because this has gone on so many years, you almost forget how this originated. Why would it be better to take away the rehabilitation option for drug addicts? What what is the compassion? What is the intelligence there? What good for society is taking away the chance to g- get off drugs?
3: I can't speak specifically to to that verbiage of of why is the lack of rehabilitation better, but I, I can speak to the the impetus of Prop forty seven was to reduce the jail population, and in societies, there's really three ways that we can any government can reduce the the jail population uh through their own efforts and that is to either make what is illegal not illegal make what is illegal less illegal or build more prisons and obviously we can you know that's what the government and policymakers can can affect we can also hope that we can affect the behaviors of offenders and in a perfect world we could ensure there's no more crime but when it comes to a property excuse me a a policymaker's perspective those are the three options we have and in prop 47 what we did uh was make what is illegal less illegal by defelonizing
7: though this was sold as the safe neighborhood Act, and steven they were telling us that they were going to take all the money they're saving by jailing these drug addicts and put it towards treatment and they'll go to treatment and they'll get better and everybody will be safer but doesn't look like the second half of that happened did it?
3: That is absolutely not the perception of, uh, of the officers that participated in this study. Uh, one of the, the more uh, fascinating participants in this study showed me uh, a little bit of insight into the thinking that takes place when they decide whether or not to stop and arrest an offender. He, he said, if I stop somebody who's addicted to drugs, has a little bit of meth in their pocket, and doesn't have a job, I know that's a property criminal. They're going to break into cars. They're going to break into houses. So here's my choice. I can, now that it's a misdemeanor – They're going to just get a citation so I can stop them, give them a citation for their meth, take their meth and go book it. And now they don't have any meth, but they're still addicted to drugs. So they have to now go break (laughs) into your car car to replace the meth
2: immediately. (laughs) So a cop is actually going to create a burglary by taking the guy's meth away.
3: That's what he felt. The participants said that I'm creating victims, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I'm creating victims by taking his meth. Why wouldn't I just let him keep his meth? And that's one less car that's broken into, one less house that's broken into. And that's just a fascinating, mind-blowing view into this this decision matrix that police officers are using.
2: And none of this was discussed when they were pushing this proposition that would lead cops to have to make that choice. Do I arrest the guy and take away his meth? But it's not going to lead to anything more than a misdemeanor. And if I do it, then he's going to have to burglarize somebody's house or steal their car. Nobody discusses that. And that, that.
3: cycle, that cycle of, of narcotics addiction and property crime, it leads into, you know, why is it that we arrest folks? If you look at the theory of, uh, of punishment, you know, sometimes we put people in jail to help them make decisions in the, in the future. Or in this case, we put them in jail hoping that they will uh, have some compelled rehabilitation. But sometimes... When it comes to the theory of incapacitation, sometimes we put people in jail just so they can't commit more crimes in the future. And the officers in this study felt that their lived experience had been that that, those options of putting somebody in jail to prevent future crime through incapacitation had completely been taken away, at least when it came to that connection of narcotics and property crime.
2: Well, I hope this study gets a lot of attention from... uh, Yeah, this is good stuff. Not just us, but uh, everybody
7: else in the media. Dr. Stephen Boy, Bell, I, I we appreciate you, so you coming on. Yes, and uh, we'll get the word out about your, your study. Thanks for talking to us. All
3: right, take care. All
7: right, Dr. Stephen Bell is a former LAPD sergeant, now a criminologist and professor of criminal justice at Mount, Mount Marty University in South Dakota, he co-authored this study with Dr. Joshua Adams from Arizona State called Do Cops Still Care? This is the effects of Prop 47, and the responses. I mean, why bother, right? Uh, smile and wave at drug addicts because there's just no consequences. More coming up, John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app.
6: You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640.
7: Well, we just got done with a discussion of Prop 47. God, nine years. And it was basically common sense. The study was fantastic, talking to police officers, seeing what's really going on in the field. And of course, Prop 47, by reducing many drug crimes and felonies to misdemeanors, means the cops just they don't bother because what's the point? You, you give them a citation, and, and and as we learned, and this is a great point, you give them a citation, you take the drugs away, well, they got to go replace the drugs, and they may immediately go commit some property crime. So, so, so you're stuck in a cycle here. Here's what they did. The
2: progressive anti-prison forces, the anti-police forces, embodied by George Gascon, got him to write Prop 47. And what they do often with these cases is they focus group they test what are the winning advertising lines that'll get support for the proposition, right? How do we market this? How do we sell this? Well, the idea of spending less money on prison, that looks really appealing. The idea of taking that money and reinvesting it in the schools and local towns with drug rehabilitation programs, that sounds appealing. And that's all they did. And Jerry Brown went to town. And inexplicably, Jerry Brown is liked by people even though his policies <laughs> well, are disastrous they were disastrous in the 70s and 80s they were disastrous again in the in the in the 2010s and he sold this Kamala Harris as an attorney general right she's got a law degree she has experience as a prosecutor she should have been able to game this out and saying and should have, should have stood on the side of the public and saying no no here's what's going to happen if you, if you take away the leverage that the prosecutors have and that the police have, the police are going to stop arresting because it's not worth their time. No one's going to jail. And then the last thing that Dr. Bell said is, why are they going to arrest somebody and take away their meth? Because the addict will get a citation, but he's still going to need another hit of meth in the next hour. So he's going to have to steal a car Or knock over a 7-Eleven to get the money for the next meth hit. Taking away the meth increases crime. So now the police can't enforce the crime. They have to ignore the crime in order not to create more. And nobody thought this through because they were just blindly pushed by these progressive,
7: destructive jackasses. And don't think that this did not pile on to the homeless problem. Oh, my think God. Think about the last nine years. Because without these laws, the vagrants have become drug addicted. And if they're not vagrants, but they can stay on their habits, they're going to end up being vagrants and homeless because their life goes down the drain. That's this, what drugs do to people. This was voted on November 2014. Kick in, I assume, 1st of January November,
2: 2015. 2015. Yeah, By 2017, you and I are doing shows from the Santa Ana Riverbed, right. from uh, from uh, downtown L.A., Down LA. and yeah. suddenly homelessness was, was growing everywhere. It took about two years to hit a critical mass where we could see it. Two years where there were no drug arrests.
7: Two years where people were not given forced drug rehabilitation. And that's the key, because they sold this as, oh, all the money we're going to save, because we're not going to send them to jail or state prison. We can spend on treatment programs. Well, that didn't happen. Do you know what? That's the, the drug problems worse. The homelessness problems worse. That's exactly what happened in the late
2: 1960s when Ronald Reagan signed the act, so that we were no longer going to have mental in state mental institutions in great numbers. They were going to take all that saved money and put it into local mental health clinics and hospitals. Man, but how'd that that, work? that never happened. <laughs> no, no. They never built the local regional uh, mental health system. So you had the mental patients going onto the streets, and now you had newly created mental patients from the drug addicts. And they used the same sales bill. It's going to save you money, and some of the money is going to be reinvested. And, and no, that's never done. It's a scam, and they pulled the scam twice. And Kamala Harris and Jerry Brown
7: successfully lied and misled the public. All right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere. It's the iHeartRadio app.
1: Do you love Selena?
2: Like, really love?
1: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
5: Listen to Rappaport's
0: reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me,
5: Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
6: You're listening to John and Ken on demand from KFI AM
2: 640. We'd like to formally welcome you to the rest home of Old Joe. Welcome to Bidenville,
8: everyone. All men and women created by. Go you know the, you know the thing there's a man on the moon or whatever you know something or you know whether those aliens are here or not I I commuted for 36 years as president vice president of the United States Happy birthday dear David. Happy birthday to you yeah, I was on the television on television I was on the telephone, every time I hear hail to the chief wonder, where the hell is he? I turn around and where? where's, where's the president? What, what, I can't remember it. I was in the, foot him- uh, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. For secretary of health and education, I nominated Javier Baccaria. Up, please, president Harris is a proud Howard alum. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. Club Talk recruiters. Yeah. Kleptocracy and clip the guys who are the kleptocracies. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was going to be here. And now,
2: to give you a tour of Bidenville before your extended stay, here's John and Ken. John Cobalt, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, on the air one till four after four o'clock. John and Ken on Demand, the podcast. And the hits just keep
7: on coming with Joe Biden. Yeah, I don't forget, we'll have the Newsom DeSantis debate on KFI at 6 o'clock tonight from Fox News. Yeah, now that he's 81, uh, he went out there to Colorado to speak to some factory workers. We played some of this yesterday, but we have a bit more. Uh, This first clip is him talking about all sorts of things, political, and then listen carefully because near the end he... Well, oh, he apparently decides that uh, Donald Trump uh, is now in Congress. Here we go.
8: Billion min- billionaire minimum tax, not even at the highest rate of 25%, which was a lot of you pay if you're making a family of, a family of four making 150000 bucks a year. Just 25% is still 10% lower than the top rate. And it would raise $440 billion over the next 10 years. Just paying 25% instead of eight. Imagine what we could do if we just made these billionaires pay their taxes like everyone else. We could use it to strengthen the Social Security and Medicare system instead of cutting them like Congressman Trump and Bob want to do.
7: Mm. <laughs> it's a 23-minute speech. You just heard a minute there, and apparently that's pretty indicative of some of the wild <laughs> tangents he went on in mumbling. <laughs> Congressman... Trump and Bob wants to do. He's referring to the Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Did you play the last Colorado. few seconds
8: again? Congressman Trump and Boebert wanted to. Did he burp? Mr. Boebert.
7: <laughs> Congressman <laughs> Trump. Congressman Trump. <laughs> oh, man. It was about a billionaire minimum tax. They're back with this idea again. Well, and if we're the rich. If we're $34 trillion in debt, how is $440
2: billion Gonna fix things, uh, he says. Well, can you imagine what we could do with it? It's like we can't do anything with it. You're still thirty-three and a half trillion in debt. What? I mean, go
7: ahead, see what. Go tax the billionaires, but that's not gonna make anything. Uh, no. you, they They're just turn. trying to tap in that usual hate the rich sentiment that's oh, out there. God, see, but it's that's
2: kind of stupid. The stupid behavior and stupid rhetoric and stupid analysis that leads to things like Prop 47. Just cheap, stupid bumper sticker sound bites, simplistic answers, and nobody thinks you think the billionaires are really going to pay twenty five billion, be twenty five percent on their billions of dollars. Of course, they're not. No, they'll
7: find ways around that. What,
2: what did Jeff Be? Jeff Bezos is moving from Washington to Florida because Washington has a plan, hasn't passed yet, but they have a plan to tax your wealth, not your income. Your wealth. Because a yeah. lot of billionaires don't have taxable income.
7: Bezos, Elon Musk, that whole crowd, most of their net worth is in investments, right? It's in stock. Real estate, all these things, right?
2: You don't pay income tax on the stock profits until you cash in. In the meantime, if you have a $50 billion in stock, you could borrow against that $50 billion. That's not income. That's not taxed. But you could live a rich life by living off the borrowed money with your
7: your stock holdings as collateral. That's how Musk does it. And then they pay themselves a dollar a year as CEO. Uh, This one's a little tougher to hear because there's noise in the background. He's at a plant, and this is the business where he's making jokes about uh, the nuclear briefcase that accompanies him. Here we go. This is Nick. Hey, Nick.
8: This is uh, Nick. Uh Oh, look, my my marine
7: carries that it
8: has a code to blow up the world this is not nuclear weapons is it all right okay he's against the
7: you yeah so he says yeah look my marine carries that it has a code to blow up the world this is not nuclear weapons is it and wow but if you didn't know that he was
2: the president and you just heard that week Feeble voice and all the ramblings and
7: burping and stuttering. you would say, wow. Just another guy in the home. Another guy in the home. Exactly. Shuffling in the hallway (laughs) in his pajamas and slippers. Mumbling to himself. (laughs) Uh, One problem for Biden a year from now or a little under a year when people vote could be, it could be black voter support. He got 92% of the black vote in 2020. 8% for Trump. But new polling that's coming out shows that uh, his support may be dipping, particularly among young black voters or younger black voters. Uh, one poll of swing states, 22% in six battleground states actually would support Trump in yeah. a theoretical matchup. So if, if somebody like Trump can jump from just 8% to 20%. That's it. That's the election's over then. That's, a, I mean, right. They the, can't the black make... vote's not a big percentage of the American vote, but that makes a difference, especially in swing states. Oh, yeah. Uh, the and apparently the problem is inflation. Uh, a lot of, according to the people quoted in this article, that's what's really bugging. A lot of black families, just like a lot of American families. Yeah. In the rest well, of America.
2: One day, and maybe it takes the, uh, the, the younger generation to figure this out, is they will realize the Democrats don't do anything for you. And they don't yeah. care about you. They manipulate your emotions and they use you. One day, black voters are going to figure that out and make that much more competitive. Maybe the young ones do, because they they don't carry around uh, the baggage that a I lot like of older way, uh, adults
7: have. They talked to one uh, man in the story, and I think he's some sort of a Uh, with some organization uh what about the fact that biden has appointed a record number of black judges including the first black woman on the supreme court and his answer was "Eh, it's tokenism if you look at the economic conditions of the community our kids are lagging far behind so what you appointed black judges what does that have to do with my ability to put food on the table yes exactly a a black judge doesn't pay this guy's bills (laughs) yes people see through it and it's the same sort of charade that Newsom tries to play with uh, a lot of uh, topics that don't have that much relevance to everybody's everyday life. No. But he tries to make it sound like he's in front on these things and you know, the abortion debate and the LGBTQ debate. And- it's emotional manipulation. And if people stop
2: investing in these guys as some kind of hero, some kind of leader, some kind of uh, you know guru to follow, Jesus. I mean, that, that, that is the attitude of a child who has a, a baseball uh, or a singer as a hero. Uh, a baseball star or, or, or a singing star as a hero. They, they're not your heroes. They're manipulative little jerks is what they are.
7: All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app.
6: You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640.
2: On the radio, 1 to 4, and then after 4 o'clock, John and Ken on demand the podcast. To listen to what you missed. A lot of good stuff today, so you should go listen later.
7: Final heads up for uh, getting you in there on the Moist line. Use the iHeartRadio app, the little uh, microphone icon, or call the toll-free number. We're going to play these calls tomorrow, right? During this time, it'll be round 2 one 1-877-MOIST-86, 664 7886 Well, this got a lot of headlines last night on websites all over the place And who else could it come from? Not Trump, but Elon Musk. And of course, it would be a New York Times deal book summit. The New York Times. (laughs) Whatever that is. Aaron Ross Sorkin was interviewing Elon Musk. And the topic became the advertiser boycott on X, formerly known as Twitter. X, which was renamed by Musk. Anyway, uh, there was a question about the Disney CEO Bob Iger. Who was talking about Disney pulling advertising from X? Uh, here is the clip of some of Musk's uh, reaction.
6: You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f yourself. But go f yourself. Is that clear? Uh, I hope it is. Hey, Bob. <laughs>
7: Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience, that's how I feel. Don't advertise was the rest of that. Wow. Right. Because Disney. <laughs> well, when you got billions like he does, you don't yeah. really have to care if advertisers <laughs> drop out. You can support the platform with your own money. But although he did say if uh, you know enough of them pull out, that's going to end it. That's going to end X or Twitter, as people still call it. People still like to call it Twitter because they call it Twitter for so many years. Yeah. Or they hate Musk and they want to call it X. I don't yeah. know much, but. I, I, there, there's no tracking musk.
2: He's his own uh, bizarre genius.
7: Have a lot of people dropped out of uh, Twitter X? Have they I, I, I don't know. I mean I'm... I mean users. I don't mean users
2: I, I, I don't know. The, the problem is it's addictive to people who are narcissistic and there's a lot of journalists that use it and and uh, you know public figures, people in business. they all want to show off what what you know their snarky commentary. Right. And the journalists like to break stories on Twitter uh, since there's no normal publishing
7: cycle anymore. So they Yeah, break. and it's also like changing your phone number. If you've been on yeah. Twitter with well, your account for so many yeah. years, do you really want to start something new up on a different and, platform? And there's there's other social
2: media sites, but none of them have a big following. Because you could go to another site like uh like Facebook has threads, right? Yeah. But everyone else you know that you want to reach has to go to threads as well. So it's
7: I don't hear anything about threads anymore. It's a I Had a surge at the beginning, and then I saw it really just leveled off and with people signing up. There,
2: there's a half a dozen others, and, and some of them don't work that well. They're kind of For, clunky, or they're not popular at all. Right. So they're they're it's like everybody's stuck with each other. The, 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 this crowd, this this progress. The t- Twitter was largely a progressive playground. They're the ones who yes. tweeted the most and had the most influence.
7: And now Musk is letting all the riffraff in. He is. He's decided in the name of free speech, yeah. we're not going to edit as much content as the Wokesters did. That's all, what he decided. And that's leading to the boycott because they're thinking stuff that's getting in there is racist. And anti, all, yeah. all the cancel culture stuff
2: came through on Twitter. That's where it was born. That's where it was effective. It was Twitter. It was because, Twitter, yes. Because you could quickly get thousands of people to all agree on the same target to attack. All right. We've got Conway here.
6: Hey, now. We do. That's yes, right. yes, yes, yes. I've had a uh, taste of that, uh, the, the uh, Twitter uh, boycotts. Are you a big ex user? You know, I'm uh, what the show is. The show
0: is. Yeah, yeah, how we put how, it, how yeah.
6: many do you personally write? Oh, uh, <laughs> that's a secret. That <laughs> uh, little sheet he brings no, in, in
2: every I'll, night. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I, I write zero.
6: Okay. You write
2: zero. Uh, Ken
6: writes zero. <laughs> zero. Well, yeah. no, I have my own personal account, and I'm hot on that. I'm 10,000 oh. uh, responses every month, you know. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, if, yeah. I, if I'm eating dinner, I take a picture and show it to people. I'll, I'll look that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If I'm in a car, I'm driving, people are going to see that. That's Steve Gregory's deal. He likes to post his meals. Sometimes, pe- sometimes pe- half-eaten meals. Yeah, people do that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't get it. Look, I don't care what I'm eating. Why would I care <laughs> what you? you're eating? You're eating. Yeah. God almighty. Yeah, Thanks for giving me a picture of your dinner. <laughs> right. Yeah. What, what do you want me to do with that? Hope you enjoy that. And then yeah, and then you're, you clog your mind with that. You know, you only have a certain amount of uh, free space in your mind. I know. And your time. You're just wasting That's time. That's right. Looking That's at right. people's dinner. Uh, Dean Sharp is coming on with us. Uh, also, Kalina Estrinos. And I think David Goldstein is coming Ooh. on with us at some point. David Goldstein is retiring in two weeks.
2: Uh, he's moving in with Ken.
6: Yeah, right. we're, we're going off that. together. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Although you know, I didn't ask him whether I could talk about him retiring. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> See, but did it, was no it announced or you was just it announced? No, I don't I know. I got, I got, oh, a t- <laughs> I, got
2: a, I got a text message too. Okay. Okay. Thought, good. Good. He's gonna go. I, this is wait, news wait, to wait. me. I thought that maybe it's not public yet, so I didn't say. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it is. See, unless you want to hit the dump button. All right. Okay. This is the difference between us. Very good.
6: That's and again, great. Tim, this is our show you're doing this I, I apologize. I do apologize. That's all right. It's it's, it's your show for another five days. Five and days. then it's John's. <laughs> and then after that, it'll be. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll go dark. <laughs> all right. Maybe um, we should go dark. But you know what, Ken? I I, don't, I think you should become even bigger on social media because people want to know what you're doing every day after next week. They do not. Yes, they do. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, buddy. Big right. dog. Man. I already I told
7: him we're going to constantly call him. Just yeah, to ask I'll,
6: him what he's doing. I'll call you and I'll throw it out all on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you and David sorry. Goldstein. No, Gold, I'll Gold, just send pictures of food. Yeah, I made that up. Goldstein's not retiring. <laughs>
7: Oh, he's trying to backpedal. Totally made it up. Except John already confirmed it,
6: so. <laughs> John didn't get a text either. <laughs> Guy's going to be around forever. You've imagined the last five minutes. <laughs> right. None of this ding happened. Dig dog. I'm None getting out of here. <laughs> Dig dog,
2: let's go. Right, ding dog was late today. All right. All right. Crusher oh, has bamboo. the news. Yeah. Wow. KFI 24-hour <laughs>
7: newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.
0: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast... podcast.